Welcome back. I mean, hate to interrupt, but nah. you got a you got a show to lead there, big fella. Vamos. Mark Boffo, our producer, was in here talking about God, trivia. because we were talking about the Broncos and the Bears. <laughs> why? Because why? Why? Because the Broncos gave up seventy points last week. Is that bad? And are favored to win on the road. That tells you how bad the Bears. That's why. That just tells me how smart I am for not giving a rat's ass about the NFL. Yeah, like ninety-five minutes and nobody scoring. That's that's tons of fun too. Can't wait to get in front of the TV and watch that. So we're even. Like, it's like you watch your sport that nobody, well, I, that's not true. Yeah, there's, there are a fair amount of people watch soccer well, around fa- the world. If you notice, there's a fair amount of people watch football, too. Yeah, in there's North a America. Fair ma- in there's North a America. fair amount. Yeah, in watch. North America. Well, there's like everybody in North America. Yeah, in North America. That watch football. That's not the whole world. Well, there's a lot of people there. It's not the whole world. There's quite not a few. even close. More people watch soccer in a day than watch the NFL in a month. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm glad you guys like soccer. Once you, never mind. I was going to say something, but I won't. Mm. I won't bother saying it. I want to move on <laughs> because I've already wasted two minutes. Well, you were asleep. laying there taking a nap. I wasn't taking a nap. Yeah. My eyes are wide open. I was. I was. Uh, I was. I was uh, trying to pull <laughs> off a uh, a fantasy soccer oh, trade. Yeah. As a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah. Don't be, don't be afraid to. Well, I'm being honest. Well, try and do your job. Try. Do your job. Well, it's Friday. Now, I was actually, you know what I was doing? Because I told you, I was actually exchanging text with one Caleb Joseph. Oh, Caleb's got his own show to worry about. I know, but you know, Caleb uh, listens, and he was, he was, we were texting back and forth. That's leave, leave him alone. You're trying to make him uh, feel It bad. is Friday. The first pitch between the Jays and the Rays is 7.07 tonight. Aaron Savali against Yusei Kikuchi. Very simple. Jays win. Mariners lose. The boys are popping champagne tomorrow. If that doesn't happen. Roof's closed. <laughs> roof's closed tomorrow. Uh, I mean, you wanted significant games in September. Well, we all wanted significant games in September. You know we what we enough? didn't want? Have we we didn't want significant games on September 28th and 29th. Let's be clear. We wanted significant games on like the I'll take Friday, 23rd, 24th. And tonight and tomorrow's fine, not Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. That's what we know. We, oh, because God. of who would have to pitch Sunday. I don't think you want that. Yeah. You'd rather have him pitching. What is that, Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday. Anyhow. Although I have to admit, after last night's game, uh, I, you know, I, I'm okay with. Uh, we were talking about this uh, on Blue Jays talk. I'm, I, I'm. You've been saying all along that if they have to pitch Gossman in 162, it's not a panic situation. And last night I was sitting back watching Chris Bassett, and I thought, and I know that the Yankees aren't the greatest team, but they do have the greatest hitter in baseball history in their lineup. Um, watching him carve up uh, the Yankees. And I thought, yeah, you know what? I would be okay with, I'd be okay giving the ball to Chris Bassett in the game. I'd be okay giving it to him in the game. Well, he may get it anyway if they lose game one. Yeah. He would get it in that game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John Schneider is manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. And uh, I was going to say he sat down with us earlier today. I wish. But uh, he spoke to us earlier today and uh, we covered all. All sorts of topics. And, uh, well, let's just listen to what the skipper had to say. 
Very pleased to be joined by the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, John Schneider. John, thanks so much for joining uh, Blair and Barker today. Three home runs yesterday. You beat the Yankees 6 nothing. What the hell took you so long to change the lineup? <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's uh, I, something we've talked about for a while, really. And it's a fine line between, first of all, we had to see kind of what Brandon looked like when he came back. Um, something we were kind of, we've talked about all year, how to line these guys up. Um, and, you know, a lot of times it comes down to who do you want hitting, you know, late, who do you want the extra at bat to go to? Um, I think once we kind of saw Brandon and what his swing looked like, what his at bats looked like when he did get back, uh, just, you know, trying to generate some traffic to get, you know, uh, Vlad and Bo more at bats with guys on base. So, it worked out yesterday uh, with homers at the bottom and, and, you know, guys at the bottom getting on. Brandon has a three-run homer, and, uh, you know, Bo had a base hit with runner at second. It, um, it, you can do it so many different ways, and, um, you know, right now I just felt like this is the best way to go about it. John, how has Bo taken the move? He was great. You know, Bo is Bo's always trying to figure out a way to beat somebody. Um, we talked about it yesterday, and he was, totally on board he was great with it you know i think having him behind vlad offers vlad a little bit more protection too bo's probably not going to get changed in the way he's being pitched you know if vlad's behind him or if anyone else is behind him so trying to just really take advantage of his skill set with guys on he's got great numbers with runners in scoring position but he was all on board he said he was actually uh thinking about it recently too and um you know that's kind of that's the kind of guy he is He, he just wants to beat you John, how how do you think moving Matt Chapman way down in the order? You know, you've moved him down before, but not probably this far. Uh, mentally, you know, I, look, I think when you struggle, you sort of expect maybe to be moved down a little bit. But eighth is, that's pretty far. How's he taking this? Like, is it, you know, mentally, have you had to sell it to him and just say, hey, look, right now it's best, best for the team? Yeah, no, didn't have to sell it. I think he gets it. He gets where he's at. He gets where we're at. And, you know, it's, um, you know, he's, he's been such a good player for his whole career. You know, I think, you know, him, he's, he's grinding right now. He'd be the first to tell you that. But I, I think the home run last night was great for him. You know, he had a couple other good at-bats and, you know, hit a ball hard at third. So, you know, hopefully he's turning around a little bit, but he didn't need any selling or convincing. You know, everyone in the clubhouse right now understands that um, every every game is important and they're they're probably all going to be involved in it in one way or another. So um, good, good night for Matty last night. John, is it easier to make a major lineup move late in the season as opposed to early in the season? Because, you know, the selling point is, Guys, we're trying to get in the playoffs. We've got a spot right now. We can clinch in the next couple of days. Um, yeah, if this, I mean, we may hit on something here. Is it easier to do that than perhaps when a team is scuffling in May or June and going to guys and saying, "Okay, we need to we need to change things up a bit here"? Do you get more buy-in? I don't. I don't think so. I think guys understand. You know, I'm just trying to make the best decision. You know, for not only that night, but you know, for that kind of time frame to try to win, you know what I mean? And sometimes it's tough when guys are accustomed to certain spots. I think it is maybe a a little bit easier right now because it's kind of like, you know, all chips are in and, and you're, you're kind of using your eyes and your judgment in real time as to who's doing what. So um, for the most part, these guys, you know, they, they've been great. Anytime we've moved them around the order a little bit, 
something you don't love doing, but at the same time, um, you got to kind of ride a hot hand at this time of year. Um, so it may be a little bit easier right now, but really the guys have been great all year. John, you say he's getting the start tonight. It looks like in September it's been a grind, just uh, trying to get through at bats, right? When he's going really well, he's very efficient. He gets after guys. Uh, do you know why that is? Like, why has it been a grind for him? I think it's, you know, it's that time of year for everyone a little bit, really. And, you know, he's, um, you know, when he's really good and efficient, he's, you know, locating his fastball. I think that, that has been a little bit different for him um, in September than it was earlier in the year. And, you know, I think if he's locating the heater in the zone where he wants to, he's, you know, just about as consistent as anybody. So hopefully he can get that um, ironed out tonight. You know, I think that, you know, he just faced these guys last week down in Tampa. So um, has a pretty good idea of what they're doing and what he's going to do against them. So fastball command, you know, I say that about Barrios all the time, but it really holds true with, with you say as well. Uh, John, whenever your, your starting staff is facing a team that is really good early in their at-bats, early in the game. Like, run differential, I think, is like plus 69. That's first in baseball at the Rays. What's important? Is there – obviously, I know Petey's probably having conversations with that, but how do you combat that? Knowing that they're very aggressive, they game plan, obviously, really well, what's the key for the starters at least first time through, first couple innings? Yeah, you got to be on the attack and you got to be, you know, making pitches from the first one that you throw. You know, they're they're hunting pitches and they're trying to do damage. You know, it's been a big, you know, kind of uh, turnaround with, from them, what their usual kind of offensive approach was, and they have different personnel too. So you got to be super aware of the execution with every pitch that you're throwing. So it's, you know, they're, they're a good team. They got power throughout the, the lineup. They play really good defense. So, you know, they're all well aware of that, and I think it's just not taking any pitches off and being really, really aware of, of execution, especially early in the game. John, how fluid are your, your pitching plans for this weekend, <clears throat> you know, based on, I, I guess, based on how important Sunday Sunday's game is? How, how, how much fluidity do you have in terms of, of how you can set it up? Sorry, you guys cut out there. I missed the first part of the question. Sorry, uh, yeah, just wondering how, how much fluidity you have in terms of the pitching this weekend, you know, knowing that Sunday's game may matter or, frankly, it may not matter. Oh, yeah. Um, we've got a few plans laid out. Again, you know, you don't want to put the cart before the horse and you want to, you know, just try to take care of your own games every single night. But there is, you know, I think moving you say today, you know, on normal rest and, and you know, having – you know, Kevin ready for Sunday if you need him, and, you know, having Hunjin ready tomorrow, um, you know, I think that was kind of the the best plan. And then there is some fluidity to that, depending on what happens tonight, uh, both here and around the league for the next couple of days. So it um, it is nice that we have some options. And I think having Chris go um, as many innings as he did yesterday keeps our bullpen in really good working order. Now, you mentioned Chris, uh, 200 innings. Uh, I mean, a career season for him in a lot of ways. You know, I, I think back to, to spring training and, you know, Kevin talking about how much work was involved with Chris and getting the, you know, getting mm-hmm. the pitch calm, uh, getting set with that and the pitch clock and everything. Uh, you know, we've kind of gone, I think, from looking at this guy and going, my God, he could be a handful. This is a guy he could be worrying about all year to now I look at him and I go, you know, first of all, he's reliable. Secondly, he's a lot of fun to watch pitch <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Um, do you think that maybe Chris has exceeded even his own expectations this year? I mean, he's he's the 
epitome of, of a competitor. So I don't know if he's exceeded his own expectations, but he's definitely, you know, turned into such a reliable guy for us. You know, I think it took a handful of starts for us and him to kind of mesh together in terms of game plan and how he'd like to use his whole, you know, kitchen sink of pitches, if you will. But, I mean, to look up and see the wins that he has, the innings that he has, and how efficient he's been, you know, pretty damn consistently over the course of the year, um, just reliable that you know you're going to get, you know, six innings out of a guy every time he goes out there. It's been it's been fun to watch. It really has. And I think it's, um, you know, it's a credit to him evolving with the game, evolving with the pitch com and the pitch clock and all that kind of stuff. He's, he's always been a little bit quirky, but I think he's really kind of found a, a really good, um, relationship with Pete and kind of understanding how he works and Pete kind of putting a game plan together with him and his arsenal. So he's been, you know, absolutely outstanding. Whenever you have a guy with 200 innings in your rotation, it's huge. And then you back him up with other guys that are, you know, right around there as well. It's um, It's been really fun to watch him and the entire staff. John, every time I watch Jordan Romano throw, uh, I, I don't really know exactly – when he's going to be elite, right? Sometimes he'll throw 10 or 12 sliders in a row. Sometimes he won't throw any. It's very hard, right, to just know when he leaves the bullpen and, and steps on the mound if you're going to get that elite guy or not. Uh, any concern about the, the the last couple of outings with him? Just uh, There's been some bad luck in there. But, you know, the couple of fastballs, right, it seems like he might be trying to overthrow, and sometimes when you do that, you leave balls in the middle. Any concern whatsoever with him in the ninth inning? No, I don't think so. I mean, Jordy's been doing it for, you know, a number of years for us, and it's a, it's a tough spot to come in and close out games. And I think everything – I've said this before. When you're throwing one inning, you know, to close out a game, any mistake that you do make gets really, really magnified as opposed to, you know, if Kevin Gosman or Chris Batson or Jose Brios, you know, hangs a, a breaking ball in the first inning for a two-run homer and then goes six more innings, you kind of forget about it. So – it's definitely magnified, but I, you look at his stuff, you know, it's, it's been pretty consistent. And I think his unpredictability with the fastball and the slider is a good thing for him. And, you know, he's, he's been, he's been in that situation before and not everyone can handle that spot. So I think you rely on that. You rely on the fact of how he preps both physically and mentally for those innings. And, you know, you trust them, you know, but so right now it's, yeah, there's been, you know, two really bad pitches, not not really bad, but two tough pitches for him that kind of, you know, swing the game in, in the direction you don't want it to go, but no concerns with, with Jordy going forward. Okay. Well, last one before I let you go. And, you know, as, 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 looking at the weather the next couple of days. And I was thinking to myself, man, after I saw last night, the roof's closed, you know, hitting home runs all over the place. One dude went oppo. I mean, it's pretty effortless too. Ball looked like it was carrying like crazy. And I know you've noticed this. And, I, you know, I know I've talked to some hitters around the team that say when it's open, for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem like it's carrying. And then you look into some numbers and, and they're hitting more home runs with it closed. They're slugging better when it's closed. You're your record is 16 and 11 when it's closed. John, you got any idea uh, why that is, or is it just none of that? And it's more a mental thing that, uh Oh, the roof's open. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we back, we've looked at all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I think the record, you know, speaks for itself and um, it's weird. I think it's just, you know, at this time of year, you know, it's a little bit chilly outside and, you know, the general consensus is that, yeah, the ball may travel better with the roof, 
closed. Um, there's nights with it open, though, when it flies a little bit better. There's balls that get out that you don't think will. So it's a quirky thing. You know, I think whenever you have a, a roof that can be opened or closed on any given night, I think that's where the discussion point comes in. You know, not a lot of not a lot of stadiums kind of have the 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 option. So it's I, I think it's just more so a conversation, and um, certain guys have their opinions on it. You know, whether it be pitchers or hitters, um, we try not to look too much into it. You know, we understand that you know the stadium's great with the roof open, um, but yeah, it, it's something we talk about, and I think it's a little bit fluky um, one way or another. But it does seem to be a little bit louder with the roof closed. That's one thing which we do enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, hopefully it's you know it's the slam dunk either way to where it's like okay it's too cold we're going to close it or it's a great day out and we're going to open it. John, really good of you to join us as always. Uh, always appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck and go get them. Thank yeah, you guys. Good I luck, appreciate man. It. John Schneider, manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. Roof is open as we said. Seven oh seven first pitch. I I this I know Shy did a did an article on the. Um, on the newly configured ballpark and the impact it's had on offense, whether it's had an impact on all this stuff. I, I've, I've got to think, given the fact that everything's a process with this organization, I got to think that they're doing a deep dive or going to do a deep dive into this because they are going to make more changes next year. Now, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how much of, I don't know how much of that is the thing, but the open and closed, you know, there might be something there. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I think it's sort of like the batter's eye in Houston. If you got one or two players going, man, I don't like that thing. Like I, every time there's a lefty, his arm goes outside the green part, and I just can't see the ball. And then they just redo but, the entire thing. See, I okay, I'm just going to – I'm not sure they're there yet with I the can, Rogers Center. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I see, the, I can see – not sure it's the park. Yeah, I, I no I'm I, because not. I'm going to say I can almost see the batter's eye making a difference. I, I can I can almost see that because um, so I was covering baseball. I've had a lot of guys talk about different ballparks, different batter's eye. The vet in Philadelphia, guys used to love hitting in the vet because of the batter's eye. It was just the where it was the 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 you know the i mean the fields were different then and then the batter's eyes weren't all the same as they are now but yeah i, th- I can see that being a thing i think it's only a couple of guys though in houston it wasn't everybody you heard some guys no, it, was, say, it was mainly they, they, Abreu, they, was they really not? liked they really liked it yeah i think he was the main culprit was was yeah. him because he got off to a really bad start and he was saying he could i think it was more about tall lefties that he couldn't see the ball when they were a little three quarter. See that almost outside, makes, and it went into like that a, almost would make a Budweiser sense. sign or something. That, that would almost like. make sense to me. I guess. I mean, how many lefties do you? I mean, yeah, have to I, be a certain size and like that. A lot of again, when you're struggling, having a tough time with whatever, and you're just searching for answers. See what the thing that uh, that's thing, one of the things. The thing that has surprised me this year is one of the things we used to be able to say with reasonable certainty is that, and maybe this has more to do with the turf than the stadium, but it wasn't so long ago, we used to talk about this. Hot summer day, roof open, ball would, the number of times you'd see ground rule doubles in this ballpark was was amazing. Yep. Ball would hit the ground, it would skip over guys' heads, 
that was definitely a thing. Now, I don't re- recall seeing that many this year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe maybe that is something different to do with the, with the different turf. I would think the outfield wall. I mean, I thought there were going to be more ground rule doubles this year, didn't you? Yeah, maybe. To center field? I, I just don't remember if I've seen Vladdy backspin a ball to right center and be chapped and throw his bat on the ground as hard as he can because no, it didn't go out. I can't remember. I'm sure there's been a couple of times, We've but I don't remember a this. ton of that. How many? When's the last time you saw Homer to right center No, we, at the Rogers Center? It's rare, We right? talked about this. I thought early in the year when Matt Chapman was he, was hot. Yeah. There were some balls that he hit that I thought to center, right? Yeah, the ones that, I, but, he's but I thought, man, that, that's, that's got to be gone. But you know what? In the last two months, there are very few times have I seen a ball hit there where I've gone, wow, I can't believe that didn't leave the ballpark. Yeah, and it's rare too that you see pitchers <clears throat> go out of their way to throw a certain way to keep hitters in the big part of mm-hmm, the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Like they're not afraid to pit, throw whatever they need to throw nope. because. For whatever reason, they just don't think the ball flies there. And if I want to throw my breaking ball and it's really good, I don't care if you pull it. I don't care if you hit it the other way. I don't care if you hit it to right center or left center or center. I'm going to throw what I need to throw to try and get you out because it plays fair. See, Why does it play fair? That's the thing. it It would be really interesting to do a deep dive into the history of home runs at the Rogers Center. Because when this place was built, you didn't have all those condo towers around here when this place was built. Yeah. Like, I can remember driving in from Hamilton. You could see the Rogers Center. That You could see the actual building about 20 minutes before you see it now. Now you can't see it because of all the, the towers. And I remember when, when the towers were 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 going up when they started going up. Jose Cruz Jr. absolutely was convinced that it had changed the construction of some of the towers had changed the air, you know, the, the wind, the direct, all, all of that stuff. Yeah. Now look, and let's baseball people do have a lot of spare time to sit around and think sure, about absolutely. stuff. You know, I mean, I saw, <laughs> I saw Jeff Bagwell one day sitting in the dugout at Wrigley field with three baseballs unspooling them to try to convince us that the cores were different. I will say this. Now, Vladdy got real pull happy when he was going through his little thing. Now, whether that had anything to do with, I can't let it travel at home because when I do hit it hard over there, it's an out. I mean, they've only hit 80 homers. That's 21st in baseball at home. Yeah. That's not good. No. Like, especially for a team that you expected to hit a bunch of homers. Now, I will say this. They don't like the elevated fastball. Right, and they get it a lot in big moments. So maybe that has something to do with it too. Of it's just an obvious hole that a lot of everyday guys have. How do you overcome it? And by trying to overcome it, it sort of takes away one of your strengths, whatever that is, right? And there's not too many dudes in that lineup one through nine that have power the other way. Does can Dalton Varsho consistently go to left center? No. Can Brandon Belt? No, maybe occasionally if everything's timed up right. Maybe occasionally he'll go over there. Vladdy, Vladdy, does he go to right center a ton? Maybe a little, not for homers, more for doubles, that kind of thing. So I think one through nine consistently, maybe it's turned them into trying to go away from certain things, and that's why you see you know, the numbers where they're at. I wonder, and I think they're searching too, right? It's just a sort of now somebody's talked about it, and they're like, well, yeah. that's why. 
You may not know until it'd be great if you got somebody in here who just hit bombs, like forty or fifty bombs a year, and you could and you and you could see them for a full year at the Rogers Center. I mean, Judge went over the flight deck and center, like at the the ball carry. It's just how many and who hits them. Brett Boone is a three-time All-Star. He's host of the Brett Boone Podcast. We're going to take a look at the Seattle Mariners. They are playing the Texas Rangers tonight. All eyes in that game. All eyes in the Jays and Rays. 707 first pitch. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fan, the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet. Seven is the first pitch tonight from the Rogers Center. The Jays and the Tampa Bay Rays. Mr. Barker's Rays are in town. I'll take them. <clears throat> you can and have the uh, Twinkies if you want them. Seven oh seven is the first pitch. It'll be Aaron Savali against Jose Kikuchi. The Rays have announced that uh, uh, their rotation for the first round. Well, they haven't announced. Uh, Mark Topkin reporting that they've kind of, sort of, possibly, kind of well, it makes said. sense. It's gonna, well, Mark it's going to be Glasnow, Eflin, and Savali. That's right. <clears throat> in that order. And of course, they really don't got anybody else. <laughs> it's like a, that's the three. Yeah. And then everybody in that pen. I mean, I guess the only be question ready. would be the order that they're in. But they uh, – and, and the Jays, of course. Um, I mean, the Jays can't until they have a better read on where they are uh, – on whether or not they make the playoffs. That could happen as early as tonight. The Jays beat the Rays, and the Seattle Mariners lose to the Texas Rangers. I thought last night for a bit, as I was watching the Mariners-Rangers game, I thought maybe the scenario would be a little different, that maybe we'd be looking at simply the Jays needing to win to get a playoff spot, and then I realized that the Rangers were going to need their bullpen, and at that point I thought, hmm. Brett Boone is host of the Brett Boone Podcast. He's a 14-year MLB player, three-time All-Star. He joins us on Blair and Barker to take a look at the Mariners. Brett, as always, we appreciate your time. Um, Watching that game last night, you know, first of all, Jays fans, you know, J.P. Crawford is is, uh, already been a bit of a heartbreaker here, so I'm sure there were a lot of people who woke up this morning and said, oh, yeah, it figures it'd be J.P. It figures it'd be J.P. Crawford. Um, I'm going to ask you a a general question. We've said here that if the Jays don't make the playoffs, it's a disappointing season. Mm -hmm. Same thing in Seattle. Without a doubt. The difference is Seattle's only had one appearance in 22 years, but with this team, they have, um, especially their pitching staff, especially their starting rotation. They've lost a few in the bullpen. They lost C, uh, yeah, Seawald, right at the mm-hmm. trading deadline. They traded away their closer, which kind of to me, it, it left me scratching my head like, are you in or are you out? Right. You know, you usually don't trade your closer if you're going for it. Second half of the season, Seattle made a great run. And until recently, uh, you know, they've fallen on some hard times recently. But, yeah, I think for – I think that's a, I think that's a fair comment. I mean, if the Jays didn't make it this year, which they're going to – I mean, look at it. Yes. Mathematically, it's not over yet, but the Jays are going to be in the postseason. Mm-hmm. 
Mariners are on the other side of that coin. They've got to they've got to sweep the Texas Rangers, who they're two and eight against this year. They snuck one out last night, just probably because more more for the reason that Chapman came in and kind of imploded. And he mm-hmm. Chapman has a tendency to do that. Last time I saw him pitch, he did the same thing. Next thing you know, it was bases loaded and and uh, Cropper got the big hit. They almost got out of it. They, they got a two weak contacts and they almost got out of it two outs. I agree with you on the Crawford thing. He's kind of been an unsung hero for that Seattle Mariners team this year. Julio obviously is getting the majority of the press, and he should for what he's doing. He's having a, a, an, an all-star, uh, if there weren't a few other guys in the league, I'd say MVP-type year. Right. But Crawford, quietly at the top of that lineup, has been kind of kind of the cog in the wheel, kind of the, the guy that's making them go. And uh, I, I turned to my son. My son's home from his season we were watching the game. It was down to two outs. And I said, I'll tell you what, I would, the only guy, if I'm a Mariner right here, he's the, he's my number one guy. I wanted to play in this big situation. Next thing you know, he hit the double. So they're alive for one more day. They've got a tough one tonight. They got Evalde who, who beat him last time and, and pitched really well in Texas last week. Uh, they, they're, they're backs against the wall about as far as it could be. But we'll see. That's what makes these last few games exciting. Uh, Jays control their own destiny. You know, yeah. that, that's the thing. When when you control your own destiny, uh, that's all a player can ask. And and you're talking about my Mariners. They had ten games to go in the season. Seven against Texas. Three against Houston. Yeah. If there was ever a scenario at the end of the season where you control your own destiny, it's right there. They got swept in Texas. Lost two out of three from Houston. So. It'll be interesting these last three days, but I think your Jays are safe, and it would take an absolute Doug Flutie miracle for the Mariners to make it. Brett, I don't understand. Every time I watch the Mariners, I don't know why they don't score more runs. Like, they're 12th in baseball and runs scored. I don't get it. The names on the back of the jerseys say they should be scoring more runs than that, and they don't. Is it something other than dudes are not just having good years, or is it some you know lying factor that, Maybe the information they're giving, they're not giving it the much right like way. Toronto. Or much like sort Toronto. Sort of right. Like, it's just, it just doesn't make sense to me. They hit home runs. They're balanced. They got lefty hitters. Like, they're athletic. Like, why don't they score more runs? To be honest with you, I think it's apples and oranges, the Toronto Blue Jays compared to the Seattle Mariners from an offensive category or standpoint. I think the Jays are much more talented offensively than the Seattle Mariners. Mm. Uh and it's kind of been it's kind of surprised me the Blue Jays in their season. It's you expect them to be right at the top in every category offensively with that lineup day in and day out, but they're not. They're kind of middle of the package. Mm-hmm. But what's really surprised me, and and you've had a great uh, season out of your starting rotation. You're number one in the league. You're number one in the American League pitching. That surprised me to be in the middle of the pack for the Blue Jays uh, offensively. I think that's kind of a disappointment with the level of talent. You look at the Mariners, outside of Julio, who's going to be a star. I think he's a he's a Fernando Tatis, Robert Acuna type talent for me. Watching him on a day in and day out basis, he's only 22 years old. But outside of him, I like the catcher Raleigh. I think he does a really good job behind the plate. He's hit 30 home runs this year. He handles a pitching staff great. I think he's one of the best catch throw guys in the game. But I look around that team. You know, Crawford's doing a really nice job at the top of the lineup. But you look, Suarez is hit or miss. You know, Teoscar Hernandez had a real rough, came from Toronto, had a real rough first half, and really, really brought it on the second half. 
But if you look at the overall picture, they've kind of got three utility players in the starting lineup every night. And for me, Kellenic hasn't, you know, he, he broke his foot. He's been out. He really hasn't made any noise since the beginning of the season. Uh, Suarez has that, has that innate ability to drive in the big run, but he's hitting 230. They're really down on, on the first baseman this year in France. He's hitting 250, just hit his 11th homer and hadn't hit one for over a month. So you look around that, you know, no real stability at second base. Um, so you look around that offense, and it's tough. Seattle's based on that pitching staff, especially the starting rotation. And I think for years to come, they've got a young, really, as talented as anyone in the big league staff, and a bullpen that's really solid as well. But offensively, they just kind of got to hold serve. Whereas the Blue Jays, if, if the Blue Jays wake up this year and, and offense like they can into this postseason, Blue Jays can make some noise. I, I look at that American League versus the National League. National League, I see two or three teams that really have the ability to win the pennant in the National League. I think the other teams, I, I really don't give them a chance. But I look at the, the lineup of that American League team, starting, of course, with Baltimore, who's had a great year. Texas, Minnesota, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Houston, Seattle. That's seven. There's only six spots. But it wouldn't surprise me if any one of those teams in the American League at the end, and when the American, the, the American League pennant is, is handed out, it wouldn't surprise me at all if any one of those teams – uh, want it because they're all very capable in their own way. Right now that you've seen Teoscar Hernandez for a year, um, he is a free agent. Uh, first of all, do you think Seattle has any, given his, his second half, do they have any intention of bringing him back? And I'll ask you if you were if you were a contending team, would you take a shot at Teoscar as a free agent? Great question. I like Teoscar Hernandez. Mm-hmm. I liked him from the beginning. I liked him when he was struggling last year. I liked him watching him play for your Toronto Blue Jays. I think he's a gamer. I think he goes out there every day. Hey, he's, he's okay defensively, but that's not why they have me. It's a ball over the fence. He drives in runs. The only thing, the only thing, and, and it's up and down that Seattle Mariners lineup. You talk about why aren't they better? They have a big swing and miss problem in Seattle. Mm-hmm. I mean, two nights ago they struck out 16 times. Yeah. You can't do that in a playoff caliber team, you know, against a good pitcher, not a dominant number one pitcher against a good pitcher. You can't strike out 16 times. That's been their problem all year. As far as Teoscar holding them on, it's going to depend what, how this Seattle Mariner team finishes. I think if they Peter, I don't think they're going to make the postseason. If, it, if that comes to fruition, all I have to do is lose tonight, and it pretty much seals the deal. Uh, I don't think they're going to pursue Teoscar. I think they're going to let him go out there. But if I'm, not, if I'm a general manager, I like Teoscar Hernandez. I really do. Brett, th- this time of the year, is there a blueprint on how to have fun in games like this? <laughs> there really isn't. It's, no. it's let it all hang out. The great thing, I've been in a few of these where it came down to the wire. And you, you get those September blues, you know. It's a long spring training that it's 162 games. But when these games are this big, this late in the season, the thing that's nice about it is you come to the ballpark and you don't have to worry about, you know, I'm tired. That adrenaline's kicking in. And, and you're more ready to go than you are opening day of spring training. So, this is what you live for as a player. You have to. It, it just coming to the game tonight, it's electric. The crowd's electric. Everything's on the line. Uh, I wouldn't want to have it any other. Well, I, I guess that's not true. I guess I'd rather be the Baltimore Orioles right now, <laughs> clinch the division, and, and sit there waiting. But I'll tell you, the way the playoffs are set up now versus years and years ago with 12 spots open in the postseason, we've seen by recent history that 
you get hot at the right time and you get into the postseason, anybody can be dangerous. A year ago, the Dodgers won 111 games, and they pretty much had it sealed up at the All-Star break. And, you know, and sure enough, an 89-win San Diego Padre team comes in there and knocks them off early when everybody was already giving them the trophy. So in this current playoff scenario, there's a lot of, a lot of things that can happen in that postseason. You've got to win three rounds, and that's if you have a bye in the first round. Uh, it's a little tougher than it used to be. It's easier to get to the postseason, but it's tough to win. And and uh, a wild card team has pretty much just as good a chance as say this year. Everybody's probably in in, in agreement that the Atlanta Braves are kind of the class of baseball. But they've kind of had that thing wrapped up for a long time now. And these guys at the end, the Blue Jays, Houston, Seattle, uh, Texas Rangers, they're kind of in playoff mode right now. And you catch that team. Uh, at the wrong time that have been playing pretty much playoff games for the last two weeks, get them to the postseason. You kind of look at the other team like, yeah, we've been doing this playoff thing for a while. You've had this thing sealed up for a while. Those teams are always dangerous. I think a year ago you saw the the Philadelphia Phillies who barely snuck in at the last minute, two games away from winning a World Series. I think the playoffs now are much more exciting, much better for the fans, much better for because there's so many more cities involved down to the wire. Yeah, it's fine. I can remember back in 1994, 1995, when the labor agreement was signed and they expanded playoffs. And I mean, Brad, I, I'm sure you, I probably can remember. I mean, there was so much discussion. People were upset. You know, nah, they're taking away from the sanctity of the regular season. They're turning it into right, any other right. sport. Man, now I can't imagine not having a wild card. The wild card is uh, fun. Uh, yeah, it's it fun. fun. It, it keeps everybody involved. I was watching this, and, and I'll, I'll try to keep this story short, but on Major League Classics, it comes up once in a while. Uh, mm-hmm. I was a kid. I was 10 years old. My dad was on the 1980 Phillies. And they won the World Series, and I remember that. One of, my, one of my fondest memories of my childhood. But it's like they grinded out for 162. Back then, two teams from each league went yeah. to the postseason. That's it. Yeah. So that 162, you talk about a marathon and, and really choosing the best team to go to the postseason. That was the epitome of it. But it was one series in Houston, and next thing you know, you're in the World Series. So uh, it, it's changed a lot. Uh, you know, years ago, half the, the cities that are involved in this pennant chase right now would, would be knee-deep in football. But mm-hmm. because of the, the playoff format and the excitement around it, a lot more cities are involved. I think it's nothing but, but great for the game of baseball from a marketing standpoint, from a growing-the-game standpoint. But, yeah, if you want to just go purist, old-school baseball, uh, the best teams got into the postseason years and years ago, but that's not what we're about in 2023. We're about now. Show me, entertain me, and uh, they're definitely they're getting the bang for their buck. I think it's an exciting it's an exciting time with all these playoff teams. Very cool, Brett. Really good of you to join us, my friend. Thanks so much. That's Be awesome. well. Have fun. Thanks for having Thanks for having me, guys. Take yeah. care. Brett Boone is host of the Brett Boone Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at the Boone Twenty Nine. Uh, he's a 14-year MLB uh, player, three-time All-Star, and uh, the Boone family, of course, all about baseball. Yeah, and that's that, that 80, 80, the 80 Phillies. I mean, that, that would have been 20 in 80. And huh. uh, it, but uh, people of a certain age, it was. Uh, I mean, used to covering a bad team, like covering some of the, those those bad Expos teams, and there wasn't a wild card. I mean, you're you're down in August. I mean, yeah. You just were, yeah, and you know it, it's and it's every day, 
right? Yeah. So it's like you go to the ballpark every day and you're reminded you basically got no chance. Well, they all, the, the whole season means something. The, the, the trade deadline now means more to, to more teams. And, yeah. you know, you're trying to fill in the blanks that way. And the, the end of the season, I couldn't imagine no. now not, not oh, God, w- no. wanting to watch like four or five teams oh. trying to fight it out for, for one or two spots. It's pretty cool. And I'll tell you what, I didn't originally like the idea of taking division games away. Yeah. And sort of watering it down a little. But you know what? It actually, it it's made these games in, oh, inside the division no more question. interesting. No like, question. I'll tell you what. This is the first time that w- people have made a big deal about a team's record within its division. Mm-hmm. Like, we were talking about how bad the Jays were within their division. Yeah, they are. But one, that's one because that was important now. That's a tiebreaker. Sure. There's no no more one-game nonsense. Mm-hmm. It's And, and yeah, it's. Uh, I just think the game's in a real good place right now. It is. I, I it's really watchable. I it's think. watchable. I yeah, mean, there's is. a lot of things that bug me, like bug you, like the base running is is god awful. Oh, the umpiring atrocious. is atrocious. Atrocious. It is. But the actual game itself. Welcome is. to my side. You've been on that other side a long time. You have. Welcome. Four one six four one three three nine five nine. That's the back leg line. Let, let's finish off today's. Let's finish oh, off should. the show today with, with the, the back people. leg line. With the people, because we're all for the people. We're about the people. Like Justin and Vaughn. Hello? Guys, put the football First of away. All, all hail Jeff Blair. If Bo had just been put in the cleanup spot at the beginning of the season, the Jays would be clinching the AL East. Never mind fighting for a wild card spot. Next year, Blair the man for hitting coach, World Series Blue Jays. But let's get back to the here and now. My question is, Davis Schneider, is he on the playoff roster for the wild card series, providing they make it there? Thanks, boys. Love the show. I mean, I, yeah, why wouldn't he be? I mean, you're going to need bench dudes. Yeah. I mean, who, are, who he ain't going to play, but yeah, he's, I he's, mean, we should, we should tell it. It does not. I mean, Danny Jansen hasn't even started a baseball activities. Cause I know someone asked me the other day, is there any chance Danny Jansen comes back? Yeah. I, I don't get the, I mean, I hope so. Uh, if he could DH, he would, but I don't, yeah, I don't that, see that happening. He hasn't um, mm-hmm. started that. So, I mean, yeah, I think David Schneider's, I don't see why he wouldn't be on the roster. I mean, it's an odd question because, I mean, he's, he was a good story. He's an easy out. Like here's here's the that, thing. That's with, the thing. Yeah, here's the thing with the wild with with the wild card. I mean, you don't you don't need all your starting pitchers. Like you don't need Hyunjin Ryu. You don't in the wild card. No, he's not starting for you in in, in the wild card round. Um, and Kikuchi, I think you keep because you could you. I'd rather have him coming out of the bullpen. Uh, you've got to take Heineman for sure. Um. I'm just off the top of my head. I'm trying to think who else. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he'd have to be. And I mean, Horowitz is already down in the uh, at at the complex. I mm-hmm. guess later on, maybe you might look at Spencer Horowitz, depending on the matchup. If you've got a, you know, you want that lefty bat off the bench. But I, I just, um, yeah, I, I mean, he's on. I, I don't think he, I, I don't think he'll start, but I'd take him. I, I, I'm would will be really interested in seeing what he looks like now that he hasn't played for a while because, you know, you pointed out it's this is the hardest thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Roll out of the I dugout th- and start swinging. I would think in the playoffs you would see Santiago Espinal before you would see David Schneider. Yeah. Just yeah. the more experience and, and is used to sitting over there for a while and 
sort of looks the same as he would if he was playing two or three days in a row. I, I, the, that, for me, you got to lean on a little experience mm-hmm. and you know the little bit more sure thing when it comes to just both sides of the ball and running the bases. I'm not saying Davis is not a, no, but a, I, a good baseball player, but it's just, pretty the, clear. just the way it's looked lately. Yeah. John's going with the most known commodities he has right now. Especially and, the way last year ended. Exactly. That's... He's not going to look That's bad really well two said. years in a row. No. no. Mike in Toronto. If I'm Kevin Cash, and I'm not, I think that I would probably want my entire lineup playing against the Jays so that they're getting constant reps against them heading into the postseason. Mm-hmm. What goes on in the clubhouse? As a player, is that exactly what you would have wanted to do? Get all of those reps before the postseason comes in? That way you're doing it more like a spring training rather than giving away any of those state secrets you might have? Thanks. Enjoy the show, guys. I'll, I'll pass it over. Yeah. The only thing is, I mean, the Jays' pitching has been so good. I, yeah, I think two I of the three. I, the last day of the season when everything's taken care of and you don't really have anything to play for and you've had a long season and a good season, it's sort of rewarding just to sit over there and watch your buddy go out there and play yeah. who don't get to play all the time and you get to root for him. And it's sort of you get the horse around and just enjoy what's – going on around you and knowing that you know what's ahead of you and how hard it's going to be and how much fun it'll be and there's so, so yeah, much I think two out of the three the last day just because of they're already in it and they know where they're going and basically probably who they're going to play so yeah and you know the other thing too is is determining whether or not a guy needs a day off it it used to be just up to the trainer, the player, and the manager. Now there's a whole bunch of people, high-performance people involved in it. You know, players are tested yeah, Yandy quite Diaz, regularly. Yandy Diaz has been hurt with the hamstring thing. I mean, how careful are you going to be? Or do you want to play him all three games to make sure it's 100% to get him his timing back and yeah. just make sure he's 1,000% ready so to much, go? There's so a better much, team with him leading yeah. off. There's so much that goes into it now, though, that I don't think it's simply a matter of playing the game to stay sharp. Uh you know, I don't, I mean. I think yeah. you'd like to say that. I think you'd like to say that, but I also think it's, most, it's most a long the, year. Most of the guys for the Rays are veteran guys. They've been around long yeah. enough to know their swing, their body, their mechanics, their lower half. And the other like, thing with the Rays, they're, I mean, a couple they're. Of days off probably to help but more than hurt. Yeah, and they're also, you know, based on, on the way their season has gone this year, if you're Kevin Cash, you probably want to keep some of your boys Bubble away rap. from, you want to keep them away from the sharp objects. Um, but I, it, it's an, I mean, I don't know. It, it's, you know, you're facing a team. I, I think for Kevin Cash, you've got it. As long as the Jays are in it, I, I don't think you just sit everybody. As long as the game well, means something to somebody, to do that. they can't do that. So they're, they're going to have to play some of their guys. Like, I think, but it's those guys that are probably everyday guys that are feeling some aches and pains that maybe I'll need a couple of days. You know, the extra day than the just the one day. That's the guy you would give the day off to. And, I mean, I think, you know, in a case of a guy like Junior Caminero, this is probably – this. I'm sure. the Rays are probably loving this, I'm seeing sure. this kid. Yeah. Let, let's let's see what he can do. Let's get a read on him. Let's I would think it's more the like the bullpen guys and, the you know, the, the highest leverage dudes that, you know, the, them wasting bullets is basically yeah. useless. Like, it's – if you don't need to throw them, don't throw them. And like, again, I, that, you're not going to get anything out of it. And that very much, I think, comes down to what you, you you know what you need to know about your individual pitchers. Maybe maybe a guy needs a tune-up. Maybe yeah. a guy doesn't. Yeah, there you go. I think you leave it up to them. But, um, yeah, it, it is. Yeah, I, 
most managers will tell you that as long as the game has some meaning, like your first concern is keeping your guys healthy for the playoffs. But as long as the game has some meaning, you can't go full grapefruit league line. Yeah, I remember now, you just can't. five or six days is different than two or three days. Well, that's, It really is, right? Uh, five yeah. or six days, you can lose things. Two or three days. You're Travel probably, day, workout day, game. Probably enjoy that. Yeah. I'll take the little break. I like that. Yeah, the, Sunflower seeds are nice. I know that. Gatorade, uh, I like that. Cheering the, for my buddies. I'm not afraid to do that. I know that the Detroit Tigers one year when they wrapped up a series early, took all their players down to Florida to their complex. And just basically, I think they had like four or five days off. And they just kind of had a, I mean, they had a golf outing and they had a mini, you know, they played uh, just couple of inter-squad and, games, three innings and stuff like that. Anytime you start trying to make things up to keep them occupied, normally don't, normally don't work Bingo. out. So you don't want to do that. But the extra day or two, Kevin Cash knows what the game's all like. He yeah. like, like he knows what the other teams are trying well, to get, just like the Blue Jays are trying to get. So he's going to do the right thing. Not only that, you know that the Rays have 13 dudes in cargo shorts in the underground city, and they've figured out how they're going to manage this this whole thing. You know that. You know that for a fact. That's it for us today. 707 first pitch. The Jays could clinch a playoff spot by the end of tonight, depending on what Seattle and Texas does. We'll be doing Blue Jays talk after the game. We'll chat with you over the weekend. And of course, we'll be back on Monday as well. Enjoy the baseball. Have yourself a great weekend.